Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. Bringing you one more podcast this week. We had a bunch of other questions that kind of came in, and uh, I know we've had some cool guests this week. Normal Coach Harvey Hyde, Dan Weber. We had Bruce Feldman on earlier in the week, and there was more USC-specific questions out there, so I thought I'd do a solo podcast and do my best to answer them and uh, you know get you get you guys talking a little bit more here before the road game up against Arizona. If you have any questions or comments, a lot of ways to get a hold of us. Just go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Our email's on there, voicemails, all that kind of stuff. Um, we'd love for you to subscribe on iTunes, itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. You can consume the podcast a lot of different ways. We are on SoundCloud and Stitcher Radio and Audio Boom. Just search for Peristyle Podcast. Tune in radio. I'm using that in my car right now. So lots of ways to get a hold of us. Check us out if you have any questions. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Tweet me some questions you got. Email us questions. Uh, a lot of different ways. So you guys have sent a bunch of emails. I think we're going to go through mostly emails today here on the Peristyle Podcast. But just a little recap. USC is now 3-3. Three and three. Very different looking team than a couple of weeks ago. And I'm not, and you know, obviously Sam Darnold being the starting quarterback is a big reason. But I, my personal belief is there's a lot of different reasons uh, for that. And I think... You know, having a young coaching staff that's, you know, to be honest, learning on the job, you're seeing some things get better that maybe weren't as good uh, early on in the season. And I think the defense, and you should definitely check out on uscfootball.com, uscfootball.com, Shotgun Spratling's participation chart. It is a great resource. He does it every week. It just went up uh, Thursday. Uh, afternoon, he's doing it a little later in the week. It just takes a lot to compile all this data, but he goes through every every snap and every player who's in on every snap gives you a count of how long everyone's played, um, different position groups, where they're in, where they're substituting. It looks like the defense was substituting more, but if you read his piece, that's not necessarily the case. Um, yeah, they they're not very liberal with the substitutions, uh, especially on the defensive side of the football. So. Um, but check it out. It's a it's a great resource. You can see how many snaps all these guys are getting on special teams and stuff like that. All Wally Bedeku made got his first snap of his college football career. So he and during the practice this week, he had the black shirt taken off him. So he's not going to be on the scout team anymore. Looks like he's going to come in for some situations. So definitely some interesting things uh, going on with the USC football team. And we we got it all covered on uscfootball.com. If you're not a subscriber, you should definitely go to the site and check it out. We talk a lot about a lot of stuff on the podcast, but man, so much more in depth. And the Peristyle is the number one message board in the world as far as USC football goes. So go check it out only for members. So if you're uh, you're a paying member of the site, you can get on the Peristyle. So much insider information there. It's definitely worth checking out. I don't think anyone that uses it, they always say they love it. So um, hopefully you will check it out if you are not already a member. All right, well, let's jump in to some of these questions. I actually have to get to a high school football game here in a little bit. So I'm going to cover uh, recruiting. And and you know, we didn't get Gerard on this week. I think we had him on last week. You know, USC winning some games 
that certainly helps on the recruiting side. It was kind of boring and slow. It's not the most exciting time for recruiting anyway. You get to go see guys play in high school, but usually not a lot of recruiting news. But the fact that USC is on the upswing um, and winning some games now, I think that certainly helps uh, when Clay Helton and company are out there, especially with a bye week coming up. So USC plays at Arizona. You win that game. You are now have a winning record. Say they beat Arizona. They'll be 4-3. and three heading into the bye week. So that's a lot of time you're out on the, tr- the recruiting trail, um, you know, checking out high school games, things like that. You could puff your chest out a little bit more uh, when you're doing that as opposed to if you were limping in uh, with a three and four record or, you know, the way they were going before. Who knows? It could have been even worse. Um, yeah, that one and three start was pretty abysmal, but turning it around and, you know, favored by more than a touchdown to beat Arizona on the road. So, uh, you know, in you know, according to Vegas, USC should be four and three heading into the bye week, and a lot of teams late on the schedule are kind of reeling. And the Pac-12 is crazy uh, right now. If you do one thing, if you're on the podcast, you like the Peristyle podcast. I co-host the podcast of Champions with David Woods, who's uh, he's a, a Bruin reporter, so he covers UCLA for Bruin Report Online. Uh, but with the two of us have pretty good chemistry. Uh, it's pretty fun to do, and we talk about the. Uh, the entire Pac-12 uh, every week. So Podcast of Champions, check that out. We're on iTunes and everything too. Or go to Pac12podcast.com. But uh, you get me and you get Dave. We get to kind of banter a little bit back and forth. I think you'll like that as well. All right. Let's jump into these questions. Uh, I'm going to start with Eric in Duck Country. He says, do you think the offense has started to get better as a whole or is 100% due to Sam Darnold? Uh, if something happens to Sam heaven forbid, would the entire offense implode? Thanks for everything, Eric and Duck Country. That's a good question, Eric, and I kind of alluded to this in the beginning. Um, no, I think the offense has gotten better. I think that they, the offense that they were, I think they were using kind of a Sam Darnold offense to have a Max Brown, and with a Max Brown quarterback early on. And then even when you saw Sam Darnold in the games, um, uh, next to Max Brown, when he would come in, he didn't look really any better than I mean it, it didn't look like it looks right now uh, the offense did not look good the first three games no matter which quarterback was in there it wasn't like Sam Darnold came in and was kicking ass and Max Brown came in and it was it was bad it was bad where either of the guys were in um, and I think they're using the run pass options more I think he's also so dynamic that he's able to make a lot of these plays happen on his own. So I think there's kind of a mix, to be honest. It's not 100% Sam Darnold, but he, they let him, they've just given him a, you know, they, they, he doesn't have any leash at all. He can kind of do whatever he wants. He ended up fumbling, um, you know, three times in that game. Two of them, Colorado got the ball. One of them, he picked up and threw for a touchdown after scrambling all over the place. Um, so he's young. Uh, he throws caution to the wind, and he goes out there and makes things happen. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes there's some bad things, too. Um, but certainly, he's a, a big part of why the offense is, is successful. And I think because the offense that they've implemented, which kind of is piecemeal, and there's kind of like p- bits and pieces of different stuff, um, seem, you know suits him a lot better, especially the run-pass options. Watch replays. Watch when the... The offensive line's firing off the ball, which usually indicates a run play, and Sam Darnold recognizes that it's going to be better to get a quick pass out and keeps the ball, 
throws it out to the side, and it's usually a fairly successful play. Quick hitting pass plays. They're kind of an extension of the run game a little bit. Um, so I, I think the offense is working better. I think, you know, T. Martin's got six games under his belt. He's got half a season under his belt instead of none. Um, and, you know, he's worked. And Neil Calloway, the offensive line has got better, too. Um, the offensive line was pretty terrible. I don't care what offense you run when the offensive line is playing bad. So I think it's, it's you know, Sam Darnold's definitely been a catalyst and he's helped a lot, but there's so many other factors to it too. Um, and we just don't know what if, you know, Max Brown talked about this at, at practice yesterday. What if he connected on a couple of those passes against Stanford and they win? And Stanford doesn't look that like a very good team right now anyway. USC, you know, you look back, probably should have won that game uh, the way that both teams are playing right now. You know, he could still be the starting quarterback and the offense could still be very successful. And then maybe a little bit different way, maybe not doing as many RPOs. Um, you know, we just don't know. Um, so I, I hate it when people are just kind of bashing on uh, Max Brown. Sam Darnold, I think he's he's done a great job as taking over the leader of the team. And I think you you accept some of the, the fumbles and the interceptions, stuff like that, um, because he's so dynamic and can make plays. But I really do think everything around him uh, got better as well, and they've all kind of gelled, and uh, it's helped. We just don't know what would Max Brown have looked like against Colorado and Arizona State. He might have thrown for you know about the same amount of yards. Uh, you know who knows? Maybe he you know, he doesn't turn the ball over, but he doesn't make like the crazy play where he could run it in for a touchdown too. So you know, just some of the kind of risk reward. But I do think it's not just Sam Darnold, my opinion. Curtis says, "Don't look now, but Sam Darnold is ranked number four nationally in ESPN's NCAA total." QBR rankings pretty good for a freshman. Yeah, um, and I think it certainly helped that he wasn't he didn't play much against Alabama. I mean, I think that helped uh, because that's you know the best defense you're going to face all year or anyone will face. Um, and he, but you know, he's done well. And I, my understanding, I don't know all the QBR uh, formulas, but fumbles don't play into that, um, so that doesn't hurt him. The the number of fumbles he's had doesn't kind of factor into that. Um, I wasn't sure if he would get enough snaps only starting the last three games, but he got some extra snaps too in the first three. He's played in every game. He just has only started uh, the last three. But yeah, good uh, good observation there, Curtis. Let's see. Rudy, wants to, who wrote in, he said, so wh- what do you think has to happen in order for Clay to keep his job? Win out, uh, be the Pac-12 winner, and play for the Rose Bowl, right? If he loses any more games this season, do you think Swan brings in a huge name? From the way the team has been playing, clueless in the first half of the season, how could you not, right? Uh, Rudy. Okay, Rudy, I think you're a little, um, I think it's wishful thinking. So my guess is Rudy is not a Clay Helton fan, and there's plenty of USC fans that are not. And it's almost to the point where you you see these fans rooting against USC because they don't want to see uh, Clay Helton retained. But the path, and I, and two weeks ago, I definitely thought, you know, significant possibility that Clay Helton would not be the head coach in 2017. The way it's looking now, to be perfectly honest, I, I mean, it looks to me like he's going to be the head coach in 2017, barring some kind of implosion. I don't think he needs to win out to keep his job. I mean, this is this is his first year. To me, it was more about losing season well below expectations, um, crazy kind of stuff with the quarterback. Like why, you know, why'd you start this guy and then bring this guy in? But to be fair, you know, Sam Darnold has provided that spark and the offense looks better. 
it does look like the team has gotten better. Um, even though the competition's gone down, we'll, we'll see how they play, you know, later in the season, but it does seem like the team has gotten better. A lot of the teams that you thought were going to be tough games like Oregon and even UCLA and Notre Dame, those teams are all fairly terrible right now. So if he goes out and beats those teams, you beat Oregon, you beat Notre Dame, you beat UCLA. Like, are you going to fire him for doing that? Now, are they going to, they're going to be a significant underdog at Washington. I don't think they have to win the Washington game for him to keep his job. Um, it would be more about expectations now are higher. This team and some people early on were saying, oh, they're just not as talented as you thought. Well, they look pretty darn talented to me. Um, they did then. They still do now. Uh, they out-talented Colorado. I mean, that's how they won that game. They, they turned it all over more than Colorado did, uh, and they still won the game. Same thing with ASU. I mean, this is a team when it does well, you have individual guys making you know great individual plays, and we're seeing some of that. So I think the talent is there. Um, so do they lose some games down the road that you shouldn't lose? Uh, then I think that's where um, Lin Swan could potentially step in. But as far as like getting a huge name, I mean, Lin Swan is the X factor. We don't know. He's never done this before. USC has not gone after big names lately uh they were i think the really it stems to the Pete carroll stuff where he was the fourth choice people realized that some the usc was turned down by some you know questionable candidates anyway and uh they were afraid of that happening again and i think that's the fear of being told no is the what the problem was it's like usc's brand is definitely different now college football is different now it's you know it's a top five job it's it, you know it's it's a very prestigious job and you know, outside of Texas right now, people that are potentially looking for a coach, it would be the top one over LSU, over Oregon, over Auburn, whatever, whoever you're looking for a coach. So USC just needs to realize that they haven't been hiring like it was a top job, which baffles the mind. And, you know, don't don't know. And we don't know what Lin Swan's going to do. But, Rudy, if you're you're hoping that no matter what happens, Clay Helton's getting replaced, it's a possibility but I would say the it's more probable now that he's sticking around uh, than not. All right, John wrote in. He said, is there a legitimate path for USC to play in the Rose Bowl? Well, the answer is yes. Uh, does the winner of the Pac-12 division opposite of the team selected in the Final Four get the Rose Bowl bid? I can't see. No, that's not the case. I can't see Washington losing the Pac-12 championship game and still getting a Final Four invite. I think they likely run the table, including winning the Pac-12 championship. Just wondering what the Rose Bowl Rose Bowl rules are, and if SC somehow still has a shot, would be something special to root for. It looks like they may be favored in every game the rest of the way, except Washington. John. Okay, so the way this works, John, is USC or whoever, uh, there's, there's no guarantee for the Rose Bowl if the winner of the Pac-12 championship game goes to the playoff. Now, the Rose Bowl would like to select a Pac-12 team, if they could. The problem is, right now, the Pac-12 is Washington and everybody else. Um, now, does you so, so let's say USC makes a run um, and they make it to the Pac-12 championship game, you know, and they lose to Washington. Well, by that time, they have four or maybe five losses because they, you know, could potentially beat Washington in the uh, regular season um, and say a one-loss Washington team well, say, okay, say USC beats Washington and Seattle, unlikely, uh, and makes it to the Pac-12 championship game. Washington wins out, so they have one loss. They beat USC in the title, so they get revenge. 
and they go to the playoff. So USC would have four losses because they would have run the table and lost in the Pac-12 championship game. So you're talking about a four-loss USC team that the Pac-12, uh, that the Rose Bowl would have to select over, um, you know, some other teams that probably have one or two losses uh, from across the country because you don't have to pick a Pac-12 team. Seems kind of unlikely. I think the the legitimate path to the Rose Bowl is beating Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. That's what I think you would have to do for USC. I just don't see being an at-large selection. And as far as the rest of the teams, like, you know, like a Washington, I mean, uh, Arizona State only has one loss in the conference, even though they've looked shaky, like those kind of teams. But USC already has three losses. So I think being a an at-large selection for the Rose Bowl doesn't seem likely. And, um, you know, if you look at the, you don't have to pick the, the loser of the Pac-12 championship game either. If there's another team that gets left out, you know, in the North, like, see, the problem is even like Washington State, They've already lost to an FCS team, you know. Um, so they would have three losses if they lose to Washington and they don't get into the Rose Bowl. It's uh, they're going to the championship game, so it's kind of difficult. I think having an at-large selection is a little precarious. Uh, but the teams with fewer losses, like the Arizona States of the world, um, they would be more Utah as well. Like you, you know, Utah could do it. Um, they would be more likely to be the at-large selection having three losses already and then you would have to get another one in the title game um that would be uh that would be the 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 problem there let's see jjb wrote in and said great show keep up the good work my question is about max brown it seems like when they bring him in uh they're doing what they've done in previous years they just let him hand off they don't let him throw down the field i guess they don't want to rub it in the other team's face but alabama didn't worry about rubbing it in when they were ahead, Sam Darnold is awesome, but Max is still just one play away from becoming the starter. This is football, not badminton. It seems like Max is losing his confidence, and the team is losing their confidence in Max. If Sam gets hurt, we're going to be back uh, to the days when the offense wasn't working. Uh, we've got to keep his confidence up. Uh, he's the next guy. We're not rubbing it in by throwing down the field, especially if we have second and third stringers in at least let him run the offense, JJB. Yeah, I think that's a great point, JJB. Uh, he's only coming in like his whole career is scrub time. He's never got to play an entire game himself. He got the three starts. Sam Darnold was coming in for him, um, you know, against Alabama and Stanford. And he had a good game against Utah State, you know. But I think you would have seen the way he played against Utah State, you'd probably see him playing that way against Arizona State and, uh, and Colorado. I just think that's those are the kind of games USC was just going to win almost no matter who the quarterback was. So, yeah, I don't think it's really fair the way it was treated. He does not look involved. Um, Harvey Hyde talks about this a lot when he's in the game, um, uh, you know, while while Sam is playing. And uh, I, it's understandable. I mean, I don't think I would be all that into it either. We talked to him this week at practice for the first time since really he got benched, like he talk, talked extensively, and he said all the right things, uh, you know, definitely um, – is a is a, you know there's a reason he was a captain there's a reason they voted him as a captain he's learned a lot in the four years he's been there he says he wants to play i mean it's 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 clear as day he wants to play he's not talking about where he's going to transfer or anything like that he's talking about you know he would like to play it's a unfortunate situation he wouldn't go back and change things or anything like that it's just you know he wishes that maybe a couple of throws would have went differently against stanford and you got to tip your hat to the kid because he's been a class act the entire way. Um, but yeah, he is one play away. 
I talked to Tyson Helton this week about it, and we put up a story on uscfootball.com. Tyson Helton said that, yeah, he's one play away. He's in all the meetings. He's doing everything right. Um, but I'm not seeing on the sideline his involvement in the offense. So if he had to come into the game, because say Sam Darnold gets hurt in the, the you know second series or something, I don't see Max Brown engaged in the game plan and what's going forward. I see him watching the game. Um, so I think that's on the coaches too to be like, Hey, he has one play away. Let's let's get him involved. Here's a clipboard. Here's a headset. Whatever you want him to do, um, I think you kind of have to do that. So uh, it's it's a it's a concern. I, I agree with you. And I think when he does get in the game, let him play. You know, let him do some stuff. It just hasn't really been that way. It looks like he's coming in just like he did when Cody Kessler was around, and the game was out of reach. And there's a bunch of scrubs in, and you're not letting him do much of anything. All right, thanks for that question. Let's see, what do we got next here? That was JJB. Let's go to Chad in Riverside. He said, always love listening to the Parastyle podcast. You and the guys put out great commentary. I've noticed lots of people changing their minds about Helton. They're now saying give him at least two years. I think he should be let go at the end of the year. They were still head, there were still head-scratching decisions uh, in the Colorado game, like going for it on the fourth down, on the Trojan side of the field. Okay, no, the th- I'm sorry, this was for the Arizona State game. So this was from a week before. The raw talent alone may get him to seven wins, but why has that become acceptable? Can you imagine Sam Darnold with a good coach like Tom Herman? Am I crazy for being so down on Helton? It's been a rough six years, and I just want the th- Trojans thriving again. Fight on, Chad and Riverside. Chad, no, I mean, I, I, I think you're not alone in feeling that way. And I think that, you know, USC definitely hired somebody in Clay Helton that uh, his resume didn't match the job he was, uh, you know, uh, vying for and the job that he was hired for. I, I mean, that's that's basically what this comes down to. And when they start off struggling, uh, and he was one in five in his first, you know, five permanent head coaching games, um, that's a problem. But you look at the schedule. I mean, it's about winning football games, and you look at the schedule, the teams on the schedule, uh, and the talent that USC has. They are playing better, and they're probably going to win a bunch of games. So I don't it, – just personally, I don't see that being uh, an avenue to have him lose his job um, if you feel he's qualified for the job or not. He's got it now. I mean, he was hired. So that's – this was, uh, you know, Pat Hayden's decision. Um, you know, I, I came out and, and spoke my mind when, when the hiring happened, the timing of it, all that stuff. But it's – you know, it's already done. Like, you can't undo it. Um, so the only way you undo it is if you fire him and go on to somebody else. Now, I, I, I don't see Lin Swan firing him simply because he felt he shouldn't have been hired in the first place, If, if I guess if that makes sense. I think it would have to be, you know, results on the field. So if they looked bad and they had a, you know, losing record or six and six, um, I don't know about seven and five. Like, say, you know, they lose to Washington. That's fourth loss. And they lose one more. Maybe they shouldn't lose, which they'll probably be favored in all the rest of the games. Would that be enough? Uh, would Lin Swan make a move? I mean, I, I mean, like I said before, it's an X factor. We don't know what Lin Swan's thinking because he's never done this before. My gut feeling is that he's taking this year to kind of absorb and observe. He's come out. He comes out to practices. He checks things out. Um, 
you know, he's going to get a lot of people in his ear. I think there's a lot of boosters that feel like you, that they feel like they just should go in another direction. And then he comes down with a decision. I don't know. I mean, he might want to fire him no matter what. I, I, that's a, certainly a possibility. Or he might want to keep him no matter what. I don't believe that to be the case um, from the stuff we've been hearing from sources and everything. But uh, I think almost any possibility is out there. But if you just want to change coaches and you don't care what the record is, I don't think you can do that. I think the record's going to be important. I think the the path to firing a essentially first-year head coach, even though he's, you know, he's by the end of the year, he'll coach more, been the head coach more than Sark was his whole USC career um, because of all the interim, you know, uh, head job. I mean, times he was the interim head coach for this team. You add all that together, he'll have more games than Sark did um, as the head coach. I think because of that, I mean, technically it is still his first full year. Um, so firing him with like a winning record is, you know, it could be done. And we've seen crazier things done. I'm just not sure a first year athletic director would do that having, you know, unless they just, he just wanted to do it from the beginning, you know, and I've, I've not seen any indication, any indication that that was the case, but uh, yeah. So lots to talk about that. Neil from Manila. He says, if Sam Darnold wins a lot of games for Helton, which should she, which should save Helton's job? How concerning is it? Because once Sam goes after a year or two, USC could regress back to what they were week one through three. Thanks for fight on. Happy 20 years. It's amazing and inspiring how far you have taken uscfootball.com. Neil from Manila. Okay, Neil, thanks. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think if if Helton wins a lot of games, it's only because of Sam Darnold. I think he certainly helps, but you know you can get other quarterbacks. It's not like if you get Sam Darnold, then you know, and if, say Sam Darnold's as good as you say, and that's like the only reason they're winning games, but they win a lot. I mean, other quarterbacks like him would want to come in and be successful. He's really the first athletic, more mobile quarterback you've seen be featured at USC in a in a long time. So that's not been what USC's doing. If you're going to go with the assumption that they win a whole bunch of games with him. Well, after he leaves, you would assume that another one or two guys like that would do that. Um, I, I mean, we'll see. I don't, I don't think you can save someone's job. Well, only a quarterback is saving his job for three years, and then as soon as he leaves, they would be terrible. I think there's a lot of other factors. To me, coaching is paramount in college football. I mean, it's the most important thing. you got to recruit and everything, but coaching is a big deal. And I don't think... If Clay Helton doesn't evolve into a great head coach, that they're going to keep winning a bunch of games. I think you have to be a great head coach or you end up losing, you know, USC has enough talent to beat the, you know, the Colorados of the world, even when they're good or the Arizona States and stuff. Are you going to be able to consistently beat like Stanford or Utah or the Alabama, you know, good teams on your schedule, um, Notre Dame when they're normal? Um, no, I think you need good coaching for that. Um, and we've seen that. I think that's been proven time and time again. Let's see, uh, Richie Rich from Irvine. He says, greetings, uh, Ryan, Dan, Coach Hyde, Gerard Martinez. Great work with every podcast, guys. Your podcast feels a bit like therapy after every blowout or heartbreaking loss that we've been dealing with the past several years. My question is, what do you think USC's budget will be for the next coach? It seems like with Kiffin, Sark, and Helton, we're capped at around four to five million a year. Do you think the USC administration is willing to pony up six to seven million a year that would be likely to attract some of the Elite coaching candidates from around the country. Uh, Rich in Irvine, California. Richie Rich. So maybe, Rich, you can donate some of that money. Um, again, that's, I mean, so much speculation there. What they're going to spend. 
We don't know. I think that the Linf the Litswan factor, whenever this happens, so you know, the next time USC gets a coach and you assume Linswan, you know, if it's soon or whatever, you assume Linswan is the athletic director. We just don't know much about it. But I think USC's not been shooting for the moon the last couple of coaching hires. They've hired people that they've known would say yes. They they didn't try to get someone that was out of reach or potentially out of reach or a little bit of a stretch. Um, you know, they didn't feel like Chris Peterson was a good fit. You know, he interviewed. Um, all of our sources have told us he wants a job. I know people have out there said, oh, he didn't want to come to L.A., blah, blah, blah. No. We, we were told stuff like he would have crawled to L.A. to take that job. It was more Pat Hayden didn't see him as the right fit, which obviously looks like, you know, Assuming that's true, and I, I believe the sources that I've talked to on this, a tremendous mistake. I mean, you did Washington, University of Washington, such a huge uh, favor by not only taking away Sark, who was on the road to getting fired there anyway, to letting, you know, not grabbing Chris Peterson and letting him go to Washington. Uh, I don't think you're going to go get Chris Peterson now. He's in a great spot. Uh, he can make the dang playoff, and is, you know, uh, pretty darn good. So, yeah, I think that it's, it's really been an administrative problem that they were not, they didn't, it was almost like they didn't look at their own job as something that was worth, uh, you know, a top five kind of job. They weren't going to go out and try to get the biggest names available. There may be some like talk or whatever, but they weren't dedicated to, we're going to go get the best guy, um, best guy possible. That just wasn't the ma- mindset. So you get Clay Helton, who now I think he's the lowest paid coach in the Pac-12. I mean, you got a you you get the best team in the conference like paying the least amount for a coach. Like that doesn't really add up. And I think, you know, the, obviously they're hoping he turns into some amazing coach and I that's certainly possible. And we just don't know. It was a rough start for Clay. It's getting better. Will it st- will it continue to be I mean, we don't know. That that that, that those chapters haven't been written yet. Um, you know, he might have six games left. He might have 60 or hundreds, you know, we just don't know. Um, but that's, we, and we, but we don't know what the administration is going to do. We just don't. I mean, you got a new athletic director, a lot of the same place, people in place under him, you know, that were under Pat Hayden. And those are the group of people that didn't feel like they should go out and get a big name. They got people they knew that would definitely say yes, you know, like if it, yeah, hell, I'll come to USC. Sark, Clay Helton, yeah, he would have bent over backwards to, to get that job. So, yeah, that's uh, that's a big question. No idea what the budget would be, um, it, but it depends on, I don't think the budget matters as much as do you want to get a big-name guy. Um, if you want to, then the, but the, alumni, the, the budget will be taken care of if you're willing to go and say, hey, we want to go get Tom Herman, and it's going to cost – Eight million a year, or whatever it is, and you do it, you know. Um, so yeah, we'll see. All right, Eric and Duck Country. A lot of coaching talk in this for these questions. Looks like there's a potential for several high, another one, several high-profile uh, coaching jobs to be vacant at the end of the year. I think the USC could beat out Notre Dame and LSU for coach, but could they compete with Texas, especially if there's a coaching candidate who already in Texas? Congratulations on the 20 years of exceptional work, Eric and Duck Country. Yeah, we I think we kind of go over this. Um, I thought Stuart Mandel did a great piece ranking the jobs. I think right now, uh, if you're talking about Tom Herman specifically, 
I think he would pick Texas over USC, but probably USC over any of the other ones, uh, including LSU. And that's if you go in, you know, that's assuming USC is going full bore for him. If USC wants to go half-ass after him, then no, then he'd probably go somewhere else. So if you're saying you put all the resources, you say, we want to go get this guy. I think he would probably stay in Texas, even though he's from Southern California and grew up out here. Um, I think the Texas situation is great. And the USC situation is great. And a guy like that looks at a job at USC in Texas and they're like, oh, they're struggling right now or LSU or whatever. You don't look at it as like, well, I don't like the athletic director. Or I don't like this. Or you look at it as like, this is a sleeping giant. I can come in there and completely kick ass and make it a superpower again. That's what successful people say. And I believe that's what Tom Herman would be saying. Uh, but like I said, that made more sense a couple weeks ago. I just don't think USC is going to be, as of now, is going to be in the market for a new head coach um, at the end of the season, barring something kind of crazy happening. And we're only halfway through the season. We've already seen crazy things happen, so certainly that's a possibility. Uh, Jeremiah wrote in and said, I thought about this a while back, and you mentioned me, uh, you reminded me. Is it possible that USC is trying to change the perception of USC as a football school and an effort to gain the academic identity of a Stanford or a West Coast Ivy League? Perhaps Nikias wants the school to be known for academia and scholastic uh, exclusively versus being a national football powerhouse. Thoughts? Jeremiah, okay, there's a lot of kind of conspiracy theories about that where they, oh, they just want to do that. But you look at Stanford, the success they've had and being good at football, I don't think it's not mutually exclusive. Um, I don't think they would try to, I mean, you would hope uh, to undermine the football program just to try to build up uh, academics. I think when you see any big sports program, when they're doing well, you get more uh, donations, you get more um, applications. Uh, so yeah, it, it doesn't make, it doesn't really make logical sense to me. Um, now do they maybe put less focus on it or something, or they feel like, well, it'll take care of itself. We don't need to hire a big coach. I mean, maybe that's part of it. Um, you're not going after a, a big coach, but I, I think a lot of it has to do with just power. Um, Pete Carroll had a lot of power and, uh, I don't know if the administration wanted to have another coach come in and have all that power. Now, how do you win football games? You get a, a kick-ass head coach who has a lot of power, and they run things. I mean, do you think the athletic director at, at Alabama runs things or Nick Saban? Nick Saban. I mean, if the athletic director came in and told Nick Saban, hey, we want you to do this, and Nick Saban didn't want to do it, you think he's going to do it? No. I mean, that's power. He has power. Pete Carroll had power. You win. You're successful. And, you know, you have the alumni on your side. I'm not sure USC wanted that. And I don't think it's from the Kias and because of academics. I think it was more of kind of a power issue. Just my opinion on that. All right. One last one. Freshman update. No Jack Jones. This is from Jarrett. No Jack Jones, uh, Cook, Pollard, Bedeku, MF Dorbebe, or Vaughn's. Just curious. I haven't heard who's being redshirted. I assume that the situa that's the situation, but I'm curious if that decision is based on their positive or negative performances in practice. Thanks for the insight, Jarrett. Um, hey, Jared. Okay, so I don't have the, the list. Um, but so Jack Jones has been playing. And so this is another one. Check out the participation chart. I, I didn't write all this stuff down beforehand. But um, like Jamel Cook hasn't played. CJ Pollard, not. Now, uh, Oluwali Bedeku, I mentioned earlier on, he did play. Um, and so he's not going to redshirt anymore. So he's coming off. The only uh, wide receiver has been um, uh, Michael Pittman. Uh, he's been the first guy off the bench on the outside receivers, so 
he's getting in there. But like Josh Smith or Bebe or Tyler Vaughns or Trayvon Sidney, like all those guys aren't playing. I don't see, barring injuries, any of those other guys that haven't played yet uh, playing and getting their red shirt taken off. Just probably not going to happen. Uh, just my opinion. Um, the Olawale Betacu thing was kind of a curious one. You know, weren't sure because he's so they need a pass rusher and he's so athletic. He's probably going to be like a third down guy right now um, coming in. Like you see Quentin Powell coming in playing third down for Cameron Smith. Um, I think you'll see uh, Wally come in and be like more of a third down guy. Uh, he doesn't know the whole playbook yet, but um, you know, he there's situations where he can come in and probably help and get some quarterback pursuit in there. So, you know, maybe he gets a couple more plays uh, against Arizona. Uh, maybe more. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, for the most part, if the guy's played, he's not going to redshirt. If he hasn't played yet, he's probably going to uh, redshirt at this point. But Jack Jones gets in for a bunch of special teams plays. Um, he got he came in later in the game. I think it was Iman Marshall got banged up a little bit. So he's definitely been in there. Um, not a redshirt candidate at this point. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up here. I thought I'd do one more podcast for the week. Um, I'm actually going to be, so for the game, definitely follow me on Twitter and the game, at uh, Inside Troy. Uh, we also have a live thread on the Peristyle that's great that Dan and I will post from the press box. I won't be at the press box of this game. I'm going to watch this one from home. But we have a full team that will be in Tucson. Uh, Dan, Shotgun, Keeley, and uh, Tim Lutz will be taking photos. So we'll have a lot of game coverage there, and I'll be handling the message boards and stuff uh, from home. Didn't make this trip. I will be going up to Washington and stuff, but I won't be going uh, to Tucson. But if you're going out there, definitely enjoy yourself. Uh, watch our watch the on Big Fox, Bruce Feldman, our buddy. He's going to be the sideline reporter, so that should be cool. Uh, check that out. But all right, this is one last podcast for the week try to do a few more of these and uh you know you guys have had some such good feedback on them that you guys like them so you know we'll try to do some more guests and, and have some more fun with it i might do a facebook live or something at halftime of the game where i do you know answer some questions there people seem to like that but you know follow me on twitter follow along on the message boards we'll post an update if we're going to do anything like that but all right well hope you enjoyed the show we had harvey hyde we had dan weber we had bruce feldman and you get the solo podcast, not an emergency solo podcast. This was not an emergency. Just answering some of the questions uh, from the USC fans on this USC football team. But hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.